This episode is brought to you by Wellforce, offering business consulting and IT solutions for the hybrid workforce. Online at wellforce.ai. Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Sarah Madras. And I'm Jenny Midgley. And we are the Girls Who Do Stuff, the show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. Yes. That is us today. I, I was, was waiting for I you. was jamming to the music. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for it to end. I didn't want to interrupt Candace. Okay. You know. Do you feel better now? I do. Okay. So, yeah. So, today's show. Hear that, Joe. She's not going to let me do it again. She's going to be like, I didn't like the way you did it. Sarah. I didn't like the way you You, you weren't fast <laughs> enough. Yeah. She's like, you didn't perform. Yep, that's it. Jenny likes to dominate. I do not. And every intro, she'll just do it. And I'm like, I'm I'm here too. All right, so now she's totally rewriting the story. <laughs> I even said, hey, I've noticed that I've been doing this a lot. Is that something that you wanted to do? Like, we just <laughs> fell into the rhythm. And now you're totally I'm just shaming mess- me. I'm into messing with you. Whatever. I was like, introduce the guest. <laughs> Today? Is the day that the girls who do stuff goes international. We have a guest from the Netherlands. Introduce yourself to our audience, please. Hi, I'm Erko from the Netherlands, from Rotterdam. I'm very glad I'm in your podcast, in your show. Uh, my story is quite unique. I've been kidnapped for 607 days. I lost my freedom, and now I'm more or less turned myself into a freedom fighter, giving people thoughts about what can they change, what can they do different in their lives to increase their own freedom. And I'm one of the founders of Free a Girl, which is an organization that frees girls uh, or releases them from uh, sexual exploitation in all, all kind of countries like India, Thailand, even Brazil. So I changed my story from being a captive, being kidnapped into yeah, turning it around in, in giving freedom to other people or at least them to think about their own freedom. Right. The whole pain into purpose. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So how does one become captured and imprisoned for <laughs> 600 and some days? It's not like, just, uh, oh. How do you go from your normal life to being like, I was just kidnapped like, and I'm held hostage now? Like, and let's just do the math on that. Because you said 600 and how many? Say that again. It's like 20 months. Yeah, 607. Yeah. So y'all, that's, that's more than a year. Yeah. Like, I just want people to really just like, let that years. sink in. Yes. Right. 20 months, 20 months. Yeah. No, it's a long time, especially if you don't know if you ever come out. Because if you're kidnap uh, one day you come closer to your release but every day is also one day closer to your death i was working for doctors without borders which is a medical aid organization and we were working in the southern part of russia and there was a civil war between islamic fighters like you've been seeing in, in iraq in, in uh, syria and sometimes they kid, kidnap people to to raise some extra money to to, to fu- yeah, fund their 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 struggle mm-hmm. to buy weapons to uh, release their own people, these kind of things. So I, I was sitting in a car uh, together with my driver going home and then the car was blocked and yeah, we were stopped and, and, and three guys came out and w- with their guns in their hands walking towards our car. And then I thought, yeah, I have to get out. I have to surrender because I didn't want to be killed by a shootout. Mm-hmm. And then they, they took me and, and brought me high up in the mountains. They d- dug a hole for me. And for 20 months, I had to sit under the ground as a prisoner. Were you by yourself or did they have other prisoners? 
there as well? No, just uh, I was by myself. Yeah. Oh my god. It was always I, I was happy to be be with myself. Yeah, that sounds strange, but yeah, it was such a difficult time. You're not allowed to eat what you want. You cannot go to the toilet. You can't take a shower. Uh, I was yeah. Sometimes I I was really fearing for my life, and I couldn't deal. That's what I thought at least with with the pressure of someone else also being in that situation. I needed all the energy to look after myself. Oh, that makes total sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And I got to stop because he just said all that. And he like, as if I went to the grocery store and <laughs> then I did not come home. Well, he's had the time to to cope with and and process the trauma of the situation. I know. But I was like, let's just pause for a second okay. and like, let that sink in. And Doctors Without Borders, for you, what was that passion to to become part of that organization? Yes, I'm, I'm an anthropologist, so I, I like to travel. I like history. I like I like geography. And, and a friend of mine was working there, and he said, "Why why don't you come working with us?" And I was not such an idealist to to to, to save the world. But once I, I started working in Uganda, I was really struck by the organization what they did to relieve the pain of other people, the, the assistance they gave to thousands and thousands of refugees, and and then I became really on fire to help other people to get back their life, to assist them in their resilience to to have a second chance again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I yeah, went to all kinds of yeah areas where you normally don't go, like Sierra Leone, where there was a civil war, Tajikistan, countries I, I never heard of, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, mm-hmm. but they exist. And yeah, the role of, of, of helping other people, but also developing yourself, that, that was also the main passion in my gotcha. work. Gotcha. So at that time, did you have a partner, children? What was your, before you made that decision, what was your environment like? Yeah, I I was 24 at the end of my my study period when I started working with them. Then when I was uh, 28, I really became an employee. Mm -hmm. I had a fiancé at that moment. So I, yeah, we were about to get married in, in 2003, but, but in 2002, I was kidnapped. So every day I hoped she was waiting for me. And of course, every day she was hoping and praying that I would come back and that I would still love her mm-hmm. and, uh, because I was kidnapped in front of her house. So she felt really bad that I might start hating her or her family or her, yeah, her country. Uh, oh, so she was from me, she, there. Yeah, yeah, she locked the door so she didn't know I was kidnapped. But yeah, in front of her house, it happened. It all happened. Okay, so you guys met through Doctors Without Borders. And was she involved with it too? Or you met when you're in Doctors Without Borders, you're stationed there, and then you guys met? No, we met in Tajikistan, which is a country in in the former Soviet Union. So in 1998, we met. And that's how we... She was working with the UN, the United Nations. Mm-hmm. They were in the same circles, just not in the same organization. Yeah. Okay. Correct. And so you're like, you're in front of her house. The driver's coming to take you to your house. Yes. And then that's when the cars pull up. They, they blocked the car that came from the, the side of the road. And yeah, we knew it was a kidnap prone area. So we had some training. I don't panic. Uh, don't be a hero. Mm-hmm. Just. Yeah, surrender, and, and that's what I did. But of course, uh, I was sitting in their car. I don't know if you Pulp Fiction still the, the, the mm-hmm. scene with John Travolta. Yeah, shoots the brains out of one of the mm-hmm. guys. So they, they, they pulled my head in between my knees, and then I, I got a gun on my head here, mm-hmm. uh, a gun on my chest, mm-hmm. 
and that was really the most scary moment in my life. But then I had to think about Pulp Fiction, like, oh my, of course, I hope they've seen that movie as well. That, because I didn't want to die by accident, of right. course. Uh, and yeah, I, I felt so unprotected, of course. I, I, I wanted to cr cry almost. I wanted to beg, but, but it's a really a macho culture in that area. So I, I thought, yeah, I had to stand up for myself. So I told them, I want to live. Mm -hmm. I didn't beg. Or I you stated it as a statement. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Like a power yeah. statement. Okay. I feel like I need to be sensitive and ask permission. Are you okay? No, you if can we ask dig into Okay. So in that moment when you're in the car and you know that, okay, this is happening. Yes, this is a kidnapping. What is going through your mind? What are the things you're thinking? What are you like, are your senses now hypervigilant? And you're like, okay, listen to first sounds. Like, is your training kicking in? Talk to me about what that's like. Yeah, for me, luckily, I, I felt like a helicopter. I had this helicopter view. I had to think, what should I do? I was listening, of course, very well. I, I tried to find out where we were going. But of course, there was also the, the fear. Am I going to survive? Am I mentally strong enough? Am I physically strong enough? Because I was bleeding. One of my fingers broke, so I had lots of pain. And of course, with a gun on your head, it's a completely different way of, of making a conversation. Right. And because I, you start really thinking about what... Is this the right answer or mm -hmm. do they want, want to hear something else? So, Are they asking you questions? Uh, yeah, they started to discuss the, the ransom. Mm. Can you imagine? Because I wanted to go home. I started even thinking about my mother. I started wishing when I saw stars falling, for example. And, and, and they said, yeah, we want to kidnap you and we want to keep you here until they pay. So I was really yeah, wondering what, what's the amount they're going to ask. Mm -hmm. So they said, we will ask 12 million. Uh, because we kidnapped someone else from from your organization the year before. And I said, yeah, that's way too much. <laughs> and then they asked me, okay, what's the right amount? So, sorry, what's the right amount? And I was like, okay. Uh, $500. One million dollars. We're going to kill you right away <laughs> because you're useless. Uh, and if it's too much, yeah, then maybe your organization doesn't pay or it takes months or years. So, right. yeah, what's the, so I told them, okay, one million is more than enough. And then they thought I was like, ah, you're from the Netherlands and the people in Europe always think that the Dutch people don't want to pay money. So they said, eh, you can see you're Dutch, you're going Dutch. Mm -hmm. But of course it's scary. And, and they were all radical Muslims, for example. Then you also have a conversation about, hey, they don't like women too much. They don't respect them. They think all kind of women from the West are prostitutes. They think all men are like uh, homosexual guys. So they asked me, for example, we want you to become Muslim. We want you to, to change your uh, belief. And then what's the right answer? And would you say yes, like in, in Homeland, and you think life is going to be much more easy? Or do you stand, stand up for yourself and protect yourself? Mm -hmm. So I, I choose for the last one. I told them, there's no way you're going to change my religion. And yeah, that's really scary at the moment mm -hmm. because you don't know. What and to be in that space where... You, you don't know what the right answer is. So yeah. naturally, we are conditioned, right, as humans to always try to give the right answer. Like we're inherently trying to do the right thing for the moment. And if it means lying in the moment, then that means lying. The, right. But we're trying to give like the right answer. And so when like when you're in that invalidating situation where you don't know what the right answer is, like that's got to be like, how do you move past that to, to have confidence in what you're saying and knowing that, like, at any moment, this could be not the right answer they were looking for. 
Yeah, that's true. Another example about it is I wanted to have toothpaste after eight days because they handed me over to a new group. So I, I was also wondering, should I ask for toothpaste or should I just wait? But then I realized, okay, uh, you should think about your hygiene. That was one of the training missions. So I, so I asked them, can I have toothpaste? And they said, yeah, what brand do you want? And so that wasn't so difficult as I expected. But I think if you want to lead your own, your, yourself, you should stick to your, maybe not to all your principles, but really the strong mm-hmm. ones that, that really matter. Not like the, the color of your uh, shirt right. or I always want to have blue or yeah, I, I need a haircut or something. But really the one that might change your your perspective about yourself, that's really important. Well, and it really takes the phrase of, are you willing to die on the mountain for that to... Is that the hell you're going to die on? Very literal place. It gives you perspective. So like when you went back to your life... I'm like, After. no, I'm not there we're, yet. We're going to go back. Hold on. But I have a relevant <laughs> My question. brain works. <laughs> I, I know you're in sequential land, but I'm just wondering, what, was there a transition period when you went back to realizing that you didn't have to wrestle with those life or death answers in your head? Or did it like, no, did it go easy? Not, not at all. The, the, the moment I came back, I realized I have my freedom back. I can choose myself. It was difficult to make all the, the choices because for 20 months, people gave me my food, for example. I didn't have to go to the supermarket. Now I was at the supermarket, chose, yeah, and I had to choose what do I want to eat. So that was a little bit difficult. There were so many people that helped me and I had some difficulties. Should I thank them all? How do I express my gratitude? But I went to a, a psychotherapist and he, he said, yeah, there's so many people who helped you unconditionally. So those guys, you don't have to help. And, and people who want something in return, and they can, you can thank them later or you don't even have to thank, mm-hmm. thank them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but in general, yeah, I came back into heaven. I always, we have a very nice country in the Netherlands. It's quiet, easy, it's safe. And I was really in, in the hell. So the moment I came back, I felt safe. I felt happy. There were so many warm people around me, parents, friends, girlfriends. And I, I became really famous in the Netherlands. Every time when I stepped into a bar or in a restaurant or just walking on the street, there were always people, ah, oh, we're so happy that you're back. So there was lots of support and attention, yeah. which also helped me to, to pick up my life again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I always think, tell people who had a difficulty in their life, please share it with other people because then you can share, people can do something in return. Because lots of people don't want to share their their vulnerability, but, but I think if you dare, it also gives you freedom again mm-hmm. in your life. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. You have to speak yeah. it for mm-hmm. sure. You said that they had a hole dug and they made you stay in the hole. At any point, did you think to yourself, was there any opportunity of, could I escape? Were you, yeah. Were you mapping out escape plans or were you just lying in wait for salvation no in the beginning i I was really upset and and, yeah crying because of all the injustice done to me but also crying am i going to see my parents again i I just felt miserable and and there was nothing that could help me i couldn't drink i couldn't go to my friends i couldn't do anything but it was like six feet seven wide uh, long and 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 five feet wide Mm -hmm. and only 6.3 high so I, my, my, I had hair that time. My hair was all, always touching the ceiling. And it was smelly. All kind of insects were there, mice, even snails. Yeah, and of course, in, in a, when I was in a bad mood, I thought this is going to be my grave. I will never, ever see fresh air. I will, uh, yeah, I'm not, oh, 
not even going to be buried in the Netherlands. I'm going to be buried here. Mm -hmm. My parents don't even know that I'm dead. And that, that really brings brings up your tears, of course. Mm -hmm. But of course, there was a door. So I, I always thought about escaping. And I even started to dig holes behind the, the walls. But they said, what are you doing? And they brought in bigger hammers, bigger nails to, to make their to make my room stronger again. Mm -hmm. There was there were two opportunities that I could take a gun. Once I was in, in the little in the shower, they had a small shower and there was a gun hanging there. One of the guys forgot it. And and then there were six guys at that moment and I thought, yeah, I can never Yeah, you can't get them all. Yeah. Kill kill six people. And then I told them, please yeah, take back your gun and, and I just showed you that I'm trustworthy. Because I needed them to convince that I'm a human being, that I'm trustworthy, that it's safe to be around with me. So I started concentrating on that. I, I started concentrating on making contact with them so that I had to show empathy towards them and their cause. I didn't mean that I became friends or that I became someone who was fighting for their cause. But at least I was interested. I, I used my anthropology to study them and to... Yeah, to make contact. Right, to to relate and connect. That is so fucking smart. Yeah. yeah. It's it, no, it is. It's understanding the well, human condition, said. right? Well, like it's understanding how you're going to survive it is not being you're not gonna be Jack Bauer. <laughs> right? Like no. you're not gonna be like when he said empathy yeah. and human empathy and connection. Yeah. And so and relations. Like, I needed to show I needed to model it first so that then it, they would mm -hmm see me as a human and show it back to yeah. me even if it was just through yeah. i'm not going to kill you today yeah yes true yeah. but also making it better for myself for example they, they, they never said thank you or here you are they were very impolite very rude they were yelling at me uh, commending me all kind of things so i i had to tell them in a friendly way please uh, start using different language when you're talking to me which is also a bit scary of course because who am i to tell them how to behave mm -hmm. but if, if you don't stand up for yourself, if you don't respect yourself, how, how should other people respect you? Mm -hmm. yeah. Even once I had to, they wanted to, to fight with me, the bare knuckle fight outside. And of course I didn't feel like it, but, but no, I did some boxing and taekwondo at home, but I saw that those guys were also yeah, mean fighters, of course. Then I was like, okay, what, what shall I do? Shall I try to escape or shall I try to say, hey, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a sissy, but I didn't want to be the sissy. Mm -hmm. So I, I was standing there and of course I was afraid to, to be the first one to hit one of those guys. But then, yeah, they weren't so worried. And they, one of the guys, he really hit me a black eye. It was really like, wow, I, I saw all kinds of stars. And then I started to hit him back and, and he said, okay, you show that you can fight. Please go back to your, uh, to your room. Uh, which, but I felt really relieved, but also proud of myself that I, in, even in one of those difficult moments, I, I stood up for myself. I even hit him. And he, he also was quite interesting. He came to my room. At first, he, he wanted to make fun of my black eye because I really had a black eye. Mm -hmm. But then he took away his mask because there were always, for 20 months, I didn't see any faces. Then he took away his mask and he also showed me that he had a black eye. Mm -hmm. so, so he I, landed I, a few. Yeah. So he also showed, after some months, they also started to show a little bit of vulnerability yep. and, and, and mm -hmm. yep. Yep. humanness so I, I yeah appreciated that very much yeah and that was his way of connecting with you and showing i honor you mm -hmm. like that's uh, my, my mind all right I mean, all I, right do you need a minute i get oh, it true, but true. like it's crazy 
Lord. Yeah, and in the meantime, it's trying to accept the situation, to look at manners, to, to improve the situation. I asked for books. They didn't want to buy a book for me, but at a certain moment, finally, they, they bought the book and it became the best book I've ever read in my life. What was it? Yeah, it was a Russian book about... No, it was quite a sad book about a girl who also was taken hostage and, and she was raped and, 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 and being used as a prostitute. Then some guy took her out. She married this guy, then the guy died, and, and lots of misery. But I could even think about, okay, this girl even had a worse life than I had. Mm -hmm. It also gave me structure because one day I read 50 pages, then the next day I read the same 50 pages, and then a couple of new ones. And so I could do 30 days with the same book. I, I've read it 15 times. Can you imagine how, how boring it normally is when you read a book for mm -hmm, the 15 right. times? But there. Yeah. Increased my level of Russian. It gave you really something happy. to do with your mind in the idle time. Yes. And right. Purpose. And it purpose. Gave purpose. It gave you, is that what led yeah. you? Is that what led you to the cause that you chose when you were finally free to to end human trafficking? Was that a catalyst? Yeah, there was a reason because because I felt left out. I thought, why isn't there anyone who is going to pay money for me? Because everyone knows that you have to pay money in Chechnya to get you out. And I also remember my parents, how happy they were when I, I met them again. I met my father in, in Moscow, the capital. I was waiting in a room. He, he entered the room and yeah, we, we run into each other's arms and, and, and we, yeah, we cried from happiness. Then we flew back to the Netherlands and then it was a small plane where you walk down the stairs mm -hmm. and you're at the tarmac. And there my mother was waiting with her arms so wide and such a, such a, yeah, happiness, such a big smile of happiness, like my son is back. And, and uh, yeah, I, I'm still, yeah, when I close my eyes, I see it, see the, yeah, the happiness of yeah. her face. And I will never forget that. So when I heard that small girls, that minor girls are also yeah, being kidnapped sometimes and, 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 and working in the worst yeah, places in the world as sex slaves. And the government doesn't care or they don't do enough, like in India. Then I thought, okay, that's one of the reasons to start with, with three other people, the yeah, mm -hmm. free a girl. Because mm -hmm. they also deserve a second chance. Yeah. They also want to be reunited with their family. They, they, they want to play. It's not, it's, they shouldn't be doing these kind of things. Right. Wellforce, offering business consulting and IT solutions for your hybrid workforce. Do you need business process evaluations and solutions to streamline your workflows? A technology assessment, including security and managed services to optimize performance, or solutions to create a seamless hybrid workplace experience. If that's you, Wellforce has a growing team of affiliates to support your organization's move to hybrid. Visit wellforce.ai today. Were they giving you updates? Because then how do they request the ransom? Are they saying, we requested one million and we're like, how did that all play out? Yeah, I don't know. I, I can say sometimes they came to make, make, make pictures. And I had like in the movies, I had to hold a, mm -hmm. a newspaper. And then they knew, okay, at that date for sure he's alive. One of the worst moments was because after 10 months, we more or less understood each other. We trusted each other, maybe 95%. But then I had to write a letter to my parents, which was in the beginning, I thought that's cool because I can tell them everything is okay. Don't, don't worry too much. I will be yeah, surviving this. The guys aren't too bad. The food isn't nice, but it's, it's also not bad. So 
But then later I realized, and it came to me, okay, this might be your last letter. Mm -hmm. It's my farewell letter to my parents. So I, I started yeah, thanking them for everything that they've done to me. Uh, I, I told them that I love them. Of course, I, I started crying. Mm -hmm. and, and But then they thought that I, I uh, betrayed them in this letter, the, the kidnappers. So they were so angry that they had to make a, a ultimatum video. If within 10 days, uh, Doctors Without Borders have to pay, otherwise they will kill me. That was really uh, so painful and, and, and I felt so lost. Uh, I became angry about my organization, of course, like, why don't they help me? But I, I also had to think about how are they going to kill me? Eh? Will they cut my throat? Do you feel it when, when you feel all the blood dripping on your chest? Will, like I said in the beginning, my parents know that I will mm -hmm. yeah, be buried somewhere in, in the mountains in, in Chechnya. And then I, that was the first time I had to cry in front of their eyes. And I asked them, please, at least when you kill me, put my body next to the road so that my parents will, will find my body and right. can start yeah, building up their life again. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, for years, they will yeah, try to do everything. And that was really painful. And for example, when I came, my parents and my family members, I have two brothers and a sister, they really did everything to get me out. And they said, uh, we, we didn't want to blame ourselves later for, with the question, did we do enough? And That's what I was, my next question was going to be, is while you're there, what's going on, like with Doctors Without Borders? Are they, what are your parents being informed of? Um, what kind of stuff is going on the other side? There's a crisis team trying to, to make connections with all kinds of criminal people, with, with, with ambassadors with with the secret services they tried to push putin to to do his best to get me out there were petitions signed Four hundred thousand people within the netherlands but also abroad signed petitions this petition was handed over to putin uh, all kind of mad people come and uh, like the, the, the how you call them yeah we've seen Aryan somewhere in the city he's not kidnapped he's just hiding he's having a holiday so all all exponents of, of life are trying to interfere other people say yeah we have kidnapped him so the, but the most stress was for my parents and my family because and, yeah they, they, they didn't have the money first of all but of course they could have done maybe some kind of crowdfunding but then you also increase the risk of other people being kidnapped there was lots of media attention i was even wondering what kind of picture is my family starting to use because uh, <laughs> did they pick <laughs> the most flattering one I will take my I will take the picture I don't know if you see it yeah but luckily <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they took it my sister felt that I would worry about it and, and see she took yeah she took one of the nicest pictures yeah yeah but it's for them it's like I said it never felt okay we can rest we cannot celebrate holidays we cannot give big parties at our birthdays because uh, we don't want to feel good when, when our brother or mm -hmm. when our child is in mm -hmm. misery. So then how did you get rescued? I didn't know that I was being rescued. After 20 months, they said, we are going to hand you over to a different group, which was for me very scary because I felt safe. And they said, they would put you in the trunk of a car, we'll drive you off. You're not allowed to bring anything because I had my deodorant, I had my toothpaste, I had some books, I had, new, I had a couple of sets of clothing. But they said, no, everything is there. But for me, it sounded like, okay, you don't need anything. You're going to die mm -hmm. anyway. So there was also the change of atmosphere. They were a bit worried. They were nervous. I was nervous. So they put me in a trunk. And so they said, 
we hope you get your liberty soon. And then I, the, after three hours of, of yeah being in the, the trunk opened and the guys without masks, they opened up and they said, yeah, welcome home. And I said, what do you mean with welcome home? For how long do I have to sit here? He said, no, we made you free. Yeah, I, did, I didn't trust them, but they said, no, it's really true. And then a guy came with a mobile phone and then the Dutch ambassador was at the other side. And then I started to realize, yes, okay, it's maybe it's true. And they told me it's uh, it's at Easter. I don't know if you remember that the, 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 the Jesus Christ uh, re resurrected. Mm -hmm. So, and I also had a big beard. I came from <laughs> almost from <laughs> yeah. the grave. Yeah. So it was quite nice. And then I wasn't allowed to, to call my parents. But then after two, three hours, we, we uh, 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 plane was sent, and then we were flying to Moscow. And there I could call my parents. And there were so many. Uh, mass media, like hundreds of yep. journalists. I saw myself on CNN, and then then it, it started to, yeah, I started to land. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm really free. I'm going home now. I'm going to see my family. Uh, the, the misery is over. My new life will start. Like the then I told myself, I'm not going to 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 feel like a hostage because of this right. situation for the rest of my life. Right. That, that I think the mindset was really strong. I survived. I was proud, and my honor and of course, I went to the medical situation, uh, to, to the hospital, to a therapist, but, but yeah. How long That's has it how... been since you were rescued? Now it's been almost 17 years already. So it's quite a long time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And it must have been like in those moments, like the, the self-protection is kicking in because your brain is going to tell you we're not going to believe this until we know it's true because we're not going to get yeah. our hopes up. Right. As And the overwhelm of having been so isolated and then being like surrounded by people and media and like at, at any point where you just, can I just go sit in a room by myself <laughs> and yeah, be alone, I, shut out the world? Because I just need a minute. I just need a minute. Place. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go to my own house because music became very important to me. I didn't have music, but I, I was singing lots of songs in my head mm -hmm. to keep myself happy. And even with some of the songs, it's connected with the kidnappers and they were phonetically singing Dutch songs, mm. which is really cool. So I wanted that everyone was so worried and careful. So they didn't want me to be on my own, actually. Yeah. yeah they were worried, but I wanted to be on my own to, to, yeah, to get mm. the relief or how you call it. So it took me three days and then I was at home and there were lots of flowers, lots of mail, like thousands of letters with really old fashioned mail. And then I went to my, how you call this pickup? We call it where you, at the old days, you turn your music. Yeah. The, yeah. And, and I put on some of the, the songs, and and then I started to cry, and I fell at home. Yeah. But in general, I like attention more at that time than being on my own. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I felt yeah, I've been on my own for yes. twenty months, so I need people around me. Yeah. And my my therapist also told me, please surround yourself with people who want to look after you. Don't mm -hmm. look after people yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's time for people work. to look after you. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. 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 Don't be the helper, yeah. be the helped. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then were you like, never going back to that fucking place ever again? <laughs> I will. Sorry, yeah. fiance. You're going to have to come here if you want to stay with me. Like, ain't <laughs> going to yeah, is not on the list of places I need to visit. Yeah. No, don't go there. No. Yeah. So she, she came over 
uh, they were all, I don't know, it, it's quite funny, like bureaucratic problems. Uh, for example, I didn't pay tax for two years. Then you have the, the, the IRS, the Dutch Stop. IRS. Are you serious? Yeah, I, like, I, why I, don't what? you get a get out of tax free card? Like, yeah. I was held hostage no, but, 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 for almost two but years. Say with because he's a foreigner, I needed also to have to have proof that I worked last couple of years, but I couldn't <laughs> prove that I worked on paper, of course. So that was like, did you just send them the newspaper article to be like, this yeah, is me? Yeah, I think it's automatic. It's an automatic right. system. Oh, I would have yeah. so been like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, like, like yeah, 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 yeah. that would not have yeah. happened. <laughs> Luckily, I could call the minister because I because yeah I, I, he had an in. He could call the foreign minister and be like, "Excuse uh, me, this is straight bullshit." But can no. you please go talk to the tax minister down the hall? I need you to take care of that and just let him know. Oh my god, that's where so I've been. But you know how, how those people are; they don't want to take a risk that they might make a mistake. Right, uh, right, right. Yeah. But that's but that's just, right. Yeah, she came to the Netherlands. We married. We have three children now. Oh, wonderful! That's a yeah, happy ending. Nice. See, there's yeah. your, you got your love story. I do, because that was another component that I was actually thinking about. Because I'm going, okay, if I'm in that place, is she thinking, oh, he's? It's now been over a year. Like he's probably dead. Like, at what point do you go? Yeah, this isn't happening anymore. You know what I mean? What is the kind of like, like when people the, are in a coma? Yeah. And you're like, they've been in a coma for over a year. Probably not going to come out of the coma. So I'm going to argue. Our, like our engagement no is probably right. off. There's no handbook to be like, and in this situation. Exactly. This is when we say goodbye. So I can totally see how that would be like, I thought you were dead. It was almost two years. Right. I yeah. grieved and mourned you. Like, yeah. No, it's true. But I, of course, I asked that question to myself as well. Like, like from one one angle, she became more and more beautiful. She became really mm-hmm. like an angel. She gave me energy to hold on, to fight. And, and I, yeah, so that was cool. So I thought, okay, even when she doesn't wait for me, she still gives me the idea or me the power to, to hold on. Yeah. So I, I told myself, beautiful. I pretend she will wait for me. So it, it gives me strength. So I will fight. And if she will not have waited at the moment that I come back. At least she has helped me. Yes. And then, yeah, there's other she women was your also anchor in for the world, help. of course. Yeah. yeah. So I always took it as a positive that she gave me power to to endure the situation. And, and maybe she was waiting there for me, and that would be the, the best. And if she would not have waited, at least she helped me. Right mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, keeping the energy. But she waited. So that, that's really important. Yeah. But I, I, but I learned from it that a no is also okay. Because some people also only want to start with something when they know for 100% that, it, that, that the result will be positive. But mm-hmm. sometimes there, there are things in your life that you, you cannot control. Mm-hmm. So that shouldn't be a reason not to start with it. Start with something and then a no is also okay if the road towards yeah your result is also challenging and interesting. So I knew for sure my wife is, my girlfriend is, is she's a very, very beautiful, nice woman so she's worth fighting for but then if not i'm also not the most ugly guy i can find another yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're like yeah. i'll be all right it's fine yeah, yeah, yeah. i appreciate and I got you. this cool story yeah you'd be like i appreciate you getting me through that and being my hope and my anchor and yeah and if she had released you then you would have been like okay been yeah yeah but now you have yeah. three beautiful children life together and 
Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Was I'm curious too of what that experience was like what the transition and the reunion was like for her. Was there any um uh, I'm thinking, oh my God, I would feel a lot so of many things. all the whole, oh my God, I wish I would have seen or I wish I would have heard and then I could have helped or on yeah. the like on was, did she feel guilty? That even if it's irrational, right? Because like feelings are neither good nor bad; they just are. Oh <laughs> I just have to get no, it in no, every sure. episode. Yeah. No, she felt really guilty because it was in her country, yeah. her people, in front of her house. So definitely, she thought this guy will never want to date me anymore. So she even didn't buy like in Russia. You have to have a, each country. You have to have, have a passport to travel. So she yeah. thought I'm not going to, to take a, a passport because I will never use it. But then. Uh, also, in the meantime, she also felt, what What can I do? What shall I do? Uh, maybe he will never come back. Maybe he's angry. Now, she's, she's been seen as a, how do you call it, that she's involved in kidnapping me, of course. Oh, that she was a co-conspirator. Yeah. Yeah. She was worried about what does the family think about me. There's a whole other layer. Yeah. All the uh, layers. But she's someone who doesn't talk too much about it. So she's also yeah, worried to talk about it, worried to share it too much with the children. Mm -hmm. So she keeps it more for herself and I'm, I'm more like talking about it, but for sure, you know, of course we talked about mm -hmm. it and, and, and I, I tell her all the time, thanks to her, I had the power to, to move on, but sometimes she doesn't believe she's me. She's literally <laughs> your reason for being. Like that, yeah. that and his parents and his siblings. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah my, all my, of those anchors. Really my close family and, <laughs> and, and my girlfriend were really the, yeah. like, like or three friends and then the family i have two brothers one sister and, and two parents luckily still alive mm -hmm. and, and my girlfriend that was really the core and even now with covid and it's important to have this this core people around you that you really keep on visiting that you mm -hmm. really yep. uh, worry about and, and there's of course more people in your life but they can yeah they have their own core yeah so, mm -hmm. yeah was there ever times where you felt like all right, that's it. I'm tapping out. I'm giving up. And we're planning for that. After 19 months, I, w I was already moved to another house. There was no toilet and there was no water. The, the food was bad. And, and the guys that surround me were also most and the, the, the less favorite kidnappers. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> well, was, was leaking. Yeah. And, and, no. The least favorite and, and kidnappers thought, of the bunch. Yeah. Sorry. Say again? I s it just, it struck me as funny that you were like, yeah, these guys were my least favorite kidnappers. Yeah, no, like, it, like, yeah. John, John just, was my favorite. When you think about it, it is, but that's right. his reality. I He's know, like, it just, you know? It's, it struck me as like this yeah. unbelievable, like mm -hmm. surreal, funny thing. Totally. That's all. Yeah. Sorry. Totally yeah. surreal. But if you're surrounded with, with those guys, it, it makes your yeah, days also difficult. Mm -hmm. I was weightlifting a bit with one of the, how do you call those things? Dumbbells. Dumbbells, mm-hmm. Yeah, and those guys also wanted to use it, and then they always put on their masks, and then they asked, "Can we use it?" But one of the guys he always refused it, so I hated it that I had to turn around, put my hands in the air against the wall. So at a certain moment, I, I was fed up, like indifferent towards my own cause, towards my life. I, I was about to give up, and then he wanted to enter the room, and he said, "Turn around." I, I said, "No, I'm not going to turn around anymore." This put your mask like the other guys. He said, I'm the boss, you have to turn around. I said, you want to, to use that thing, so turn around. And, and then we were stuck. He said, I'm coming in, you turn around. I said, you come in with your mask, then everything is okay. So he came in and I looked at him, but he had his mask. So I told him, you you see, you're listening to me. He said, no, I'm going to shoot you. So he took really his gun, he pointed it to me. 
I said, yeah, you can shoot me, but your boss I wouldn't like it because you shoot away $5 million. So that's quite a big uh, ransom. Mm -hmm. said, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll come and, and, and beat you up. I said, come. And then two of the guys came, two other guys, and said, please, guys, don't fight. It's almost over. Don't ruin it by, 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 by having a conflict. And he, he calmed down. He apologized. I apologized. And then he came to my room at night and he said, tonight I'm going to, yeah, to the magazine to, have, to buy food for us. What can we take extra for you? None of the guys ever asked, what can I take for you? Mm. Can you imagine, what would you say, for example, after 90 months of not choosing your own food and someone offers you to go to the supermarket and buy you something? Tell me. It would be pizza or tacos. Mine is burger. Oh, yeah, yeah. maybe burger and fries. Pizza was yeah. the first thing that came to my mind, though, because I don't know about melty, cheesy goodness. Is right. the cure no, for everything. Yeah, I, I was thinking of a Coca-Cola. Mm. Oh, like yeah. Like a real cold one. And then the day after, he came in and he said, yeah, I brought you something. You know what he brought me? A Pepsi Light. Oh. <laughs> no good. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> and I lost already 40 pounds, so I, I didn't need the light. For that's a bait and switch. Of, Ooh, yeah. like you're thinking of that nice ice cold fountain cola that's, oh, and it's amazing. And if you're a Coke person, you're a Coke person. Yes. If you're a Pepsi yeah, person, yeah, yeah. you're a Pepsi. Yes. We are Coke. We are a divided house because Scott's Pepsi oh. and I'm Coke. And so we are a house divided. But yeah, I would be pissed too. Yes. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, so it was a disappointing. <laughs> So, but still, uh, I appreciated that he brought it for me. But that uh, the moment of almost ending up in a fight, that was like, like you asked, did you have your moments of, mm -hmm. yeah, that you give up? Yeah, I, of course. You didn't care what happened to you then. My mind and, 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 yeah, or making a conflict so they, that they will shoot me. Yep. Uh, um, yeah. So like tell, us, it, yeah. tell us more about your foundation and how people you, can girl. get involved and how people can help make an impact. Yeah, so we we started in 2008 in the Netherlands. Since this year, we also have a foundation in the USA. I don't know. Do you share links or should I yes. tell the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's called yeah, freegirlusa.org, so it's not so difficult. <laughs> and what we I think that the most spectacular program is that uh, we are really one of the few organizations that go in and really trace, trace the girls and get them out of the misery. So lots of organizations, they, they do the, the work afterwards, but with all kind of informants, we know where they work, which hotel, which brothels. And then we make contact with the minor girls. We, we end up with the police and, and they go into with a, yeah, with a team to, to, to release them. Then they're, of course, going into all kind of houses. So we, we, we medically, if, if they're okay, then the ridicule. Cases are, are, are being done because you want to know where they're from, uh, what's happened to you. Then we try to reunite them with the family. That's the best because then it's over. But some kids are rejected by the family because of the honor and these kind of things. And then we educate them. And the, and the most interesting one, of course, lots of girls, they don't have so much education. So they end up as a hairdresser or in a, in a beauty saloon. Uh, and, but some of them are really smart and intelligent. And we send them to law school, really. Mm -hmm. uh, and they become the, the next lawyers and the mm -hmm. next district attorneys and, the, and, and maybe even the judges to fight uh, the injustice because that's most of the problems are with, with with the injustice. Like two million kids every year are, are, are taking hostage and being, yeah, how do you call it, exploited. Mm -hmm. but only 2% of those cases come to court. 
So we really have to. Uh, wow, only 2%. That number. Holy and we call shit. it school yeah. for justice. So to change the system and also if the, and the students are really going into social media, they share their story, they're really the heroes because normally people don't want to talk about their right. past, especially not when you're. Uh, Why do you think uh, it's only 2%? Because lots of people don't accept that it. That it happens. No. Well, what are the percentage are, of are really... girls found? Sorry to interrupt you. What are the like? How many kids are found out of those two million kids that are taken every year? How many are rescued? What's the percentage yeah, okay. on that? that? That's a good question. No, almost. Yeah, it's, it sounds strange, but it's a circulating system. At the moment, you take one out, a new one comes. So, so the numbers of, of released kids are also quite high. I don't know the exact number, but but still, imagine it's so low. Um, that only two percent are then prosecuted out of yeah. the ones that are found. Yeah, and and, and that also shows that the politics and, and and the culture in those kind of countries mm -hmm. are not taking it seriously. So mm -hmm. that has to change, and also the money invested in all kind of laws and all all kind of investigations that should be focused more into this towards this problem. So we but, have to change that. Uh, like, how do you change a culture, though? You know what I mean? Like, we're dealing with that here in the U.S. with race. And it's so complex and runs so deep that, like, how do you, like, it It can take generations to create these cultural shifts of understanding that well, you don't exploit other people. Right. It's, yeah, no, it's it that's definitely difficult. For example, in India... I don't want to say it's normal, but there was not much exposure if a, if a woman was being uh, raped by 15 guys in a, in a, in the bus. But lately mm -hmm. you see it's changing that hey, those guys are also arrested. They're maybe even executed. Women get there to go out to the streets. But now the next step is that people know and accept that, yeah, even child abuse is there and mm -hmm. that it also should be spread around. And that, that's what. Those that like, like if we talk about heroes, those girls who, who speak up yes. mm -hmm. about their own problems, and that that should be yep. something should be done about it. That, yep. That's really important. Mm -hmm. So, so I always call it. I've got a second chance, and I want to give them a second chance. And how cool is it if they can go home and, and start a new life, and, yep. and and they can be happy with their own family? And, but at least yep. they deserve the attention. Uh, they didn't ask for it. They want to have a normal life again. Mm -hmm. And some of them, of course, are all, also traumatized. But most of the time, only 20% of people experiencing deep traumas are, are traumatized. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, there is hope. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, that to me is the common thread throughout the whole episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, there's always hope. There's always, there's always a way for you to latch on to that. And then there's always impact, like you said, because like, they're going to impact the world, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that bringing continuing to bring these issues forward, because that's what we're talking about, the full cultural shift mm -hmm. is that you have to start with just speaking out about it and bring that awareness. And then with awareness, then comes questions. And then with questions comes more awareness. And then it becomes mm -hmm. the cyclical thing that then and you then can action. work into. And then, can work into yeah. the system that creates the transformation. Yes. Yes. People, like you said, they can help. Go to the website freegirlusa.org. Uh, people can donate. People can spread the word. World. Maybe they can yeah, get companies interested to to hook up with us to to be founding partners, be partners. There's lots of things they they can do. But of course, it's always with the money and and. Uh, mm -hmm. That's always a problem. Right. But, right. It, but the school for justice, I think, that's really an easy way of showing people that, that, that there's hope 
that it comes from within and that this cultural mm-hmm. shift is possible. Yep. Love it. All the feels from this episode. <gasps> like this is just from this interview. Like yep. it's just all good. Like I just, I feel we should be going out and conquering the, I don't want to use the word should cause that's shaming language, but we can <laughs> go out and conquer the world. <laughs> That's what it's to me it shows the 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 resiliency yeah oh absolutely of, of the human spirit yeah yeah absolutely right. um, it's also a bit of my mission uh, sometimes I, it's, it's a bit funny of course to call yourself freedom fighter but lots of people are being are sometimes stuck in their lives it can be financially yep. it can be in their own love life it can be because of disease but whatever but there's always the freedom of choice to change that yourself as well Yes. But then you really have to, yeah, it's sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's, it's hard difficult. work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's hard work. I know, but, but, but I've been there. It's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Create rewards. a second chance for yourself. That's really important. And yeah. of course, there's always people around you that, that want to help. I think lots of people in misery gave, give up about addressing other people for help. Mm-hmm. Like so many people helped me and mm-hmm. I still believe that they want to help me and if I don't do it, if I can't do it myself, I, I always feel about asking other people. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love it. Amazing. That's well, thank great, you. That's a great point to, to wrap up. I know. That's, I feel like you. we just fully closed yes. that that loop. Connect with us at girlswhodostuff.com. Subscribe to our email list for fun announcements and leave us a review. It helps other people find our stuff. We would be so grateful to you for taking those actions so we can get this out into the world and change more lives. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And And you you do do you, boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media.